if you're not good at it, that is a hundred percent. Okay. Like you don't need to be good at everything, but just make sure like in the beginning, at least you're spending a little extra time figuring it out, or you can lean on someone to kind of, you know, look into it for you to make sure you're doing it right. Abby Price is the founder of Abode, a custom dried floral arrangement and vintage home decor shop. Her journey from fashion design to curating vibrant home decor led her to curate a stunning collection of affordable, vintage, and colorful home decor pieces. Get ready to hear all of Abby's secrets from building her business. Coming up, Abby shares the evolution of her business and her biggest learning lessons. You'll hear about the marketing strategies and tactics that have helped to move her company forward. She shares the business tools she's been using to streamline her local delivery business. And finally, how building relationships and partnerships has moved her company forward. This is the Entreprenista Podcast presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done. And what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram. With no filters. No limits. And plenty of surprises. Abby, I am so excited to sit down with you this afternoon to hear all about your entrepreneurista journey and story. I have to tell you, I first heard about your business from one of our amazing entrepreneurista team members, Caitlin, who is a customer of yours. And she just has gone on and on and raved and raved about your business, how incredible it is and your story and how much you've accomplished over the years. So I'm just excited to hear your whole journey because I know you have a lot to share to help other founders. So welcome, welcome, Abby. Thank you so much. Yeah, the version she saw is a 180 degree completely all of the analogies and metaphors I can draw on that is what we are now. (laughs) No, I love that. And we'll talk about that your whole evolution because businesses start in one place and evolve over time. So we'll, we'll get into the whole journey of where your business is now. But I would actually love to hear Abby, did you always know like growing up, did you want to start a business one day? Was that on your uh, vision board? Yes, it was. And something really, really interesting about myself and my family is almost every person in my family has started their own business and is an entrepreneur, ranging from my mom's side of the family to my dad's side of the family. My dad has a business that he sold on his side, my grandma, his mom, she had her own type of career counseling business, my aunt and uncle. So my dad's siblings, my aunt has a Broadway production company. My uncle had a hospitality company. And then my mom's side of the family, my grandma, you know, she was in real estate. It was a self-starter. My uncle, like, like, I could just keep going. I could keep going. Like, it's just crazy. And I think that that really showed me that it was possible. And I Mm -hmm. think that that was really kind of like, a gift of believing that I could do it. And it was almost like a natural progression for me. It was like, oh, well, obviously I'm going to, you know, start a business. Everyone else in my family has done it. it. It wasn't so scary. And I also think it made it when I was pitching the idea or telling my family, oh, I want to do this. They were just sort of like, yeah, I mean, go for it because That's it's awesome. like they had done the same thing and no one kind of crushed their dreams. It's so nice to have that support and encouragement, especially when you're going to take the leap to start a business. How did the idea for your business come to be? 
So I had always been kind of coming up with new ideas. I would always have a new idea. Like I would always have another business. Like my cousin would joke that I would always have a new Instagram account. She would get a new follow and she'd be like, okay, what's this (laughs) new thing that Abby has come up with? And it's funny because all the ones I really went out there to try didn't work. This was the one that kind of just happened. And I feel like that is like such a classic, Mm -hmm. like life lesson. You know, it's always the times when you least expect it. And so for Abode, I was working in PR in the city, in New York City. And I kind of learned everything about like floral and event planning. And this was right before COVID. I had always seen these like dry floral arrangements, like the pompous grass trend was really starting to gain traction. And I had always seen them, like the materials for that when I was at the flower market for my job. So I was like, oh my God, these are so fun. I want to make one. And then I also was in grad school um, at Parsons. I ended up getting my master's in fashion studies. And I stopped working at that job when I was in school and had some free time and wasn't immediately looking for another uh, full-time role because of school. So I was like, okay, I can finally make one of those pompous grass arrangements that I've been thinking about. So I made one. And because, you know, no one of our generation can have just hobbies that they don't monetize. (laughs) I was like, this is so cute. Maybe I could start selling these. (laughs) So I posted in a few Facebook groups And I was just like, hi, like I have this idea, like I'm making these pompous grass arrangements, like you can like include in the price as vase, a vase and free local delivery. So I immediately got so many people responding to me being, oh my God, I've been looking for these everywhere because this was right on like the tail, you know, going up of this trend. So everyone was like seeing it, but didn't know where to get it. So I was making those and I made like an Instagram page overnight and I originally called it Abigail Home. Because I kind of like looked at these dry floral arrangements as like home decor and less of like just like a, you know, flowers that you would get rid of because they last for many years. So I was doing that. I was like walking around and delivering them to people. Like I would go to their offices and meet them outside and like bring them on the subway and stuff. And then I found my first batch of vintage vases when I was visiting my parents. They live in Savannah, Georgia in the winter. So I was down there visiting them and I found vintage vases and I was selling, you know, vintage vase with home decor with, excuse me, with dry floral in it. And then I was, that was then COVID came and I kind of stopped everything, moved back to Boston. And this was when the vintage homeware just like went crazy and everyone was at home and they were going to thrift stores and they were going to estate sales and antiquing and like flipping it. And so I kind of ended up getting in on that. And I was constantly, you know, going to, I had always loved doing it, but I just never, and then when I bought the first round of this vintage stuff, I was just sort of like, Ooh, this is interesting. And then for it to become this crazy, like rampant trend was just so interesting. And so I was doing a mix of the dry floral arrangements and the vintage home decor and kind of like combining all of that. And I was doing some like interior design consultations. And I actually ended up switching my focus of my master's to be a little bit more into home decor. And I ended up doing my thesis on like the interior of Ralph Lauren stores and kind of like the uh, the feelings that come makes you feel. And I just was coming, I was about to be finishing my master's program. And 
I had this like little tiny business. It was not supporting. It wasn't enough to be full time, but I just was like, what am I going to do now? Because especially fashion is so, you know, experience focused. And I had just been out of the job market for basically a year and a half. So I was just like, what am I going to do now? I have a fashion degree, but I'm interested in home decor. And I had this little business and I just don't know what to do. And I had done a few pop-ups that had gone really well where I just sold the dry floral or I sold a selection of vintage pieces and the dry floral was like a compliment. And I walked into a vintage clothing store in Soho. It's still around, funny, pretty nice, but the woman who owns Natalia is great. And I just saw it and I was like, oh, this is so cute. And she happened to be working that day and I met her and I was just like, if this other young woman can have a store... I can have a store. And it was always something that I thought maybe when I was like a mom moving, living in the suburbs, I was like that cool mom who like moved here from New York and whatever. But I just was like, if she can do it, I can do it. And I just got the idea in my head. And that was in March and April. I kind of figured out the plan. I was walking around and just calling the phone numbers on the sides of storefronts and just like looking into neighborhoods and found the spare first space I was in and then ended up opening at in the end of May. And I was just going out and sourcing everything vintage, driving around, going to antique malls, going to thrift stores, putting it in there, had a big focus on the dry floral. And I just like had a store and I signed like a three month lease And that was kind of like how we first, first got started to kind of bring us to where we are now. So you took that leap and you just did it. And I was just picturing you like running around the streets of New York, delivering flowers. It actually reminded me, I don't know if you know the the co-founders of Sakara Life. They've been on the podcast and they shared that the same story. They were running around New York City. They were delivering food to everyone. And now there's actually better solutions to doing that. And we'll talk about some of those solutions in just a bit, like Uber Direct. So we'll chat all about that. But that's what you do in the early days. You run around, you figure it out and you talk to your customers. And it sounds like you landed in the right place. And I love how you were sharing how you're like, calling the numbers on the side of the the buildings and no idea (laughs) like there's no like how to open a store in New York City (laughs) like that doesn't exist so (laughs) well I will tell you because we're going to invite you to join our entrepreneurista community as well and get you in there but lots of our members now when they have questions like that they just post it in the community platform like does anyone know someone I could rent space from and people respond so that is uh, why we created it because Courtney and I did the same thing when we first started Social Fly. We were just trying to like running around New York City, trying to figure it all out. And now, you know, being able to have our community and sharing on this podcast, sharing all of our learning lessons so we can help everyone else who might just be starting now as well. So Abby, I do have to ask you, when you said you started a bunch of Instagram accounts and other businesses that failed, let's talk about some of those because I think that's really important for you know, everyone to hear is that a lot of times our first business and the thing that we start first isn't necessarily like what ends up being our actual business or the thing that takes off. And you do have to like, just keep figuring it out and you have to keep going. So what were some of those things and why did they fail? Yeah. I mean, the first one I can remember is like, I think I was in like middle school and I wanted to start making headbands after Blair Waldorf and like decorating those and selling those. And then in college, I 
made like I went to Ohio State and I would like take our OSU shirts and like put grommets in them and and dye them and do lace up and like try to sell those to people. And I think that I just really was doing things that I enjoyed doing. Like I was trying to just take a hobby or take something I thought was fun and turn it into a business. And yes, you have to enjoy what you're doing in order to actually be able to be successful at it. But I think that a real business needs to fill a a gap or find a need and accommodate that. And I think I was just trying to just do something fun and then just sell it to people. So I think you really need to, you know, identify that and be like, well, how do I stand out and how am I different? And then iterate off of that. Like the story I just told of how I came to have my store, right? As of now, we are a 100% different business even than that. So it's just constantly picking up on what works and following that and being able to just kind of like say, you know, F it to whatever isn't working. And, you know, another one, I actually just made a whole TikTok about this, but after I kind of had the store and where we left off, I started to want to do clothing. And I just was like, oh, this is easy. I'll just add clothes, you know, why not? And I spent invested a ton of money in the branding and the marketing and a launch event and inventory. And I had no plan. And that just like also kind of failed, epically failed. And I had wasted thousands of dollars. And I think it's just, you need to fill a need and you need to have a plan and you need to stick to that plan to really be successful. Yeah, I love that advice. Plans are great. Now, many times things don't always go according to plans, but you should have one to try to stick to and then figure out based on what goes well and, and what doesn't go plan, well. it's not a plan, just a budget. <laughs> yeah, that's good too. And something I do want to share. So there are all different types of businesses, right? And people go into business for different reasons. And if you decide that you want to start a headband business or a t-shirt business, and that is the business you want to have, like that is okay because not everyone, and first of all, you can, you can build a huge, anyone can build a huge headband business or t-shirt business. Absolutely. Because a lot of people do need headbands and t-shirts, but Mm -hmm. you might just want to, you know, have an awesome Etsy shop and make bejeweled headbands, which by the way, I actually bought an incredible bejeweled headband over the holidays from someone. Yeah. That is a business and there's nothing wrong with those types of businesses. If that is the type of business that you want to have, I think, you know, what we talk about a lot with so many founders like yourself is it's really defining, you know, what do you want for your business? What's important to you? Where do you want to take the business? Because we might just want to, you know, have a business and make a, a, a great living and earn enough money to take care of our family and not grow a giant business. And some people want to grow huge businesses. Yeah. Or your pieces are super intricate and ornate and you're, you know, you can only produce so many. I think it's just, what do you do that's like, the difference that, you know, helps you to stand out. Like you don't need to sell five trillion headbands, you know, if you make the most amazing bedazzled headband that people, you know, that your X amount of customers love and value you for, you know, I think anything can be successful if it's, if it's approached in the right way, a hundred percent. And for your goals. Up next, you'll hear all about Abby's favorite business tools and her tips on sourcing brand partnerships. All right. So tell me, what is the business today? You just shared what it was when you started. But if we walk into your store today or go on your website, what is a bode today? 
So about today is actually focused on embroidery, which, you know, has nothing to do with what I just said. (laughs) The embroidery also basically fell into my lap, kind of similarly to the dry floral is like, I just saw embroidery on social media and I thought it would be really like a good compliment to homeware. So we had just finished our first kind of holiday season and we had to back up, I I haven't mentioned, but we did switch locations to a permanent one. I started off as a pop-up and it was going well. And I just was like, do I stay here? Do I move? I ended up moving and signing a five-year lease. So we just kind of wrapped up our first holiday season in that space. And I was just like, had a little bit of money in the bank from that. And I thought embroidery sounded cool and interesting. So I went out and bought an embroidery machine, <laughs> which was, at, I mean, in hindsight, amazing. But At the time, not a good idea, but I was just like, oh, this will be fun. So I bought an embroidery machine and I was like, okay, I'm going to embroider. I'm going to work at the store. I'm going to run the business and grow the business. So, you know, obviously that wasn't a a sustainable plan. So the embroidery machine ended up sitting in our basement for probably six months untouched. I think I maybe like made one thing for like a family member and my family was also like, why did you buy this machine? Like, that was so stupid. What does an embroidery machine cost? Just out of curiosity. Yeah. So the one I have starts around, I want to say like $13,000. So yeah. So you want to touch that if you're going to buy it. Yes, <laughs> exactly. I did finance it. There are a lot of great financing options if embroidery is something you're interested in, which made it like seem less scary, but it was still like, so much that it was so unnecessary for me to do. So I had that. And then I ended up actually hiring someone who knew how to do embroidery. She came in and kind of trained the first person who trained the next person who trained the next person. And we were just kind of like, I finally had it going. This was like December to June. It was sitting there. And then from June forward, it was active. And so I was having, you know, girls come in, maybe two, three days a week. They were in the basement. They were making little, little items for the store. And we were, we were telling people like we had a sign that said like, ask us about our embroidery. And it was just not connecting. And I was just like, okay, this was like still looking like a silly idea, but you know, I'm just doing my best with it. And so then the machine and this past spring in like March about this past spring, the machine needed to get serviced. So we brought it up from the basement, got it serviced and on, I was like, okay, on our way back, on its way back down to the basement, we'll do a little pop-up in the store where we'll do same day custom embroidery and people can bring stuff in or we can, you know, offer like, we'll have, I ordered some things on Amazon, like cocktail napkins and sweatshirts and whatever. And I was like, and I'll return it if no one buys it. And so we did that little event and it went so well that we now remodeled the entire store to accommodate for the three embroidery machines we now have. I'm actually talking to you from LA. I'm attending a the Expressions Expo, which is like a massive embroidery and apparel decorating expo because we've just dropped all the vintage and have turned us into essentially a a full custom embroidery business and just have not looked back ever since. And it's just been like the new thing for us. And it's just been doing so well. Um, We've, we've, we have yet to, you know, keep up with the demand. It's still, everything is on a multi-week waiting period. And we're just kind of really focusing on growing this now. 
That is such an incredible story. And it just goes to show that you never know what is going to be the thing that hits and where you're going to really see that product market fit. And you just have to be open to taking those risks, taking those leaps and just trying things, even if it maybe doesn't seem like it's going to work at first. You just got to keep working it and keep going. What was your marketing strategy? Like, were you posting on social or working with influencers? What really got it to take off? Up until today, we still have not done any marketing because it's just been like one of those things that has just been, I like, it's like, I'll do that tomorrow. You know? <laughs> or like, I'll hire someone to help me with marketing. And it's just, we haven't done that. So it's all really just social media and like word of mouth. And I, I've developed a lot of relationships with influencers from the store and from them coming in and going to events. And so that's been a lot of great, like organic exposure and like gifting, but we've never paid for, we also, I mean, we just can't afford to pay for that. So we gift and we do social media and, you know, word of mouth. And we just, we have also our storefront. And I think a lot of people forget that, you know, a storefront is a form of marketing. Yes, like I yes. pay a ton of money for my store and that is our number one marketing tool. Yes. And, you know, I do want to share with what you're saying, you know, that you haven't paid for marketing, all the things that you shared, like post doing social media, gifting, those are marketing expenses, whether you're executing at a team member, a freelancer, you know, gifting, like those are all line items you want to have in your budget to know what you're going to be spending to make that happen. So it sounds like a lot of the organic word of mouth, yeah, organic social. Yeah, and I social. think when you like feel like you don't have a budget for traditional like social ads or influencers or other sorts of things, like that's a really great way to kind of like approach marketing from a more, a better cost perspective for a small business. Totally. All right. I want to talk about some of your favorite business tools and solutions that you've been using to grow over the past couple of years. What are some of your favorite tools that have really helped you either streamline operations or just make it easier as you've been growing? I really love Notion. I think that is a really great application. And I've always been a creative all over the place. Like in school, I never wrote my homework down, like one of those types of people. So, you know, making plans and writing things down is really hard for me. And like, really just like putting my thoughts on something is not easy for me. And Notion is really the first type of note-taking tool that I've enjoyed using and find easy to use. And they just like, they use cute emojis, which just makes it like fun. And I think honestly, like I need to like look forward to the emoji I'm putting on my thing to get myself to care. So that, and then honestly, just like living and breathing by my calendar. I feel like that is like, as like a given, but I just, once again, like I didn't write my homework down. I didn't write appointments down. I didn't write meetings with friends down. And when you're running a business and you're, there is so much going on now, it's like, if it's not in my calendar, it doesn't exist in my brain because I just like block it out. <laughs> yes. You sound exactly like me. I time block and calendar absolutely everything. And if it's not in my calendar, I will not be where I'm supposed to be because it's not there and written down. So I'm with you. And I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs could definitely relate because we're all trying to manage a lot and you've just got to put it all in the calendar. So I don't know what I did. I was like trying to think back, like, what did I do in college? Did, did Google Calendar even exist then? I don't even remember. I know, literally. I know. I have no idea how I went to things or made plans or did anything. I'm like, maybe I had a planner then. I can't even remember. I can't remember that far back anymore. I know. <laughs> 
And Abby, you were actually recently featured in one of our partnerships with our incredible partner, Uber Direct. And for those that don't know what Uber Direct is, it is a white label solution that really allows retailers to add on-demand delivery to their website or app or other sales channels. How did you find the experience using the Uber Direct platform for your business as you've been scaling? I mean, with embroidery, it's such a personal and hands-on type of experience that we really need to like have that next level of service be added to it. And, you know, it's just been such a game changer to be using Uber Direct because we have to reach out to our customers after they come in and be like, hey, your order's ready. How would you like to pick it up? And that's where we've really, really found a great thing with Uber and like Thank God you guys introduced it to us because it's saved me so many resources and time. And it's such a seamless way to add that next level of customer service and just be like, okay, you want us to deliver it to you? Perfect. Like all I need is your address and your phone number. And then the platform that Uber Direct has given us to do this is like easy. And we just, it's on its way and it just makes it feel like a luxury experience. And I think that's just something that's so important for entrepreneurs to remember in general is like there are solutions to a lot of our business problems and challenges. We just have to reach out and ask. So like if you're feeling at max capacity with something and you can't, you know, manage things that are going on in your business, there's probably a tool or solution that can help you and other people are experiencing it. I know. Imagine when I had my dry floral arrangements, if I could just call one. (laughs) That would have been such a game changer. And especially it's an affordable price, which I think makes a big difference too. Totally. And Caitlin, who I was mentioning before at the beginning of the episode, who's on our Entreprenista team, she told me the story of when she first met you as one of, I think, your first customers. You hand-delivered her the, the floral arrangement and she still remembers it. So yes, having that white glove delivery is very nice for your customers, but it's better to have someone else do that, like Uber Direct, instead of you being the one to do that, because now you have other things you are working on to grow and scale the business. And I know you have a lot of exciting things that are planned for the next couple of years. I would love to hear what are some of the things that you're working on? Yeah, so we're kind of just diving headfirst into the embroidery. And we, you know, some really fun things are like, that we've been doing and are continuing to do is just really great partnerships and like leveling those up and just working with some dream brands. And even though we were only doing the embroidery for, you know, about like six, seven months in 2023, we were able to really just work with some of our dream partners. And I'm excited to, you know, continue more of that. We have some really, really exciting brands that like one of my vision board brands is emailed us the first week of the new year, which is just crazy. (laughs) So we're hopefully going to do something with them. And, you know, last year I really just kind of like hustled and just leveraged every possible connection I could to get to some of these brands and it paid off, which is really exciting. And into 2024 and the future is just how we can grow that and, you know, more products we can offer, more product collaborations we can do, like taking brands that in hospitality and restaurants who don't necessarily sell a product and co-creating something, pushing that out. 
you know, we really want to start offering like more services for businesses where, you know, maybe you have a small brand and you're listening to this and you would love to start offering embroidery on your products, like reaching out to us and we can facilitate that for you and add that level of customization. And, and also, you know, when I've been discussing that more, a lot of, to a lot of people, they've been bringing up how nice it is to not have the return capabilities anymore and being able to sell something that's final sale, especially in retail makes a huge difference. So just kind of seeing like how we can kind of take over embroidery and just implement it in so many different ways. No, absolutely. And thank you for sharing that. It's super helpful to hear. I would love to hear a little bit more about how you've gone about finding these brand partnerships and how do you structure the deals and opportunities between them? One really fun one that I think is another good story behind it is Jerf Avenue was one that was like, I'm huge into manifesting things. Like I'm like the biggest believer in like putting it out into the universe and it will come back to you. And even the girls in my store and the the people who work in my store joke like how I am like psychic because I'll just say something and it'll happen. And it's just crazy. So that's another tip is like speak it into existence and it will happen. But with Jerf Avenue, I saw they were doing a pop-up in the city and I was like, I need to work with them. Like, we're going to work with them in some capacity. I'm going to make it happen. And I was, you know, I bought some of their products and I was trying to make videos about it. And I was, you know, like reaching out to them directly and offering our services. And it wasn't really working. And I was like, but I stayed strong. (laughs) And I was like, I'm going to figure it out. And then I was just telling anyone I knew, oh, like I'm, I want to do this. I want to do this, whatever. And then I said it to one of my friends who's an editor. And she was like, actually, I know the head of their PR. Do you want me to connect you with him? And I was like, oh my God, yes, please. And this was on Sunday and they were coming on that weekend. So I was like, okay, that's a quick turnaround, but you know, whatever. And so she was like, they're actually, they're having a dinner on Tuesday. Maybe there's something you could do with the dinner. And I was like, okay, let me see. So I emailed them Sunday night and basically was just like, I have this, 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 and this idea, you know, like I can get this done for you, whatever you want, like I'll make it happen. And so then they got back to me Monday morning and they were like, okay, yeah, actually, if you want to make these napkins for us, you can, and we need them by like 2 p.m. tomorrow. And there's like 20 of them. So I was like, okay. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, no problem. We'll do it. Say yes and figure it out. (laughs) Exactly. So I, you know, used all my resources. I got these beautiful custom handmade linen European napkins made and pressed. And I got a lace trim added. And we like woke up really early on Tuesday and we did all the embroidery in the morning and had them ready for their event. And then they were like, okay, we also have this other event on Thursday. We need napkins for two. And so then I got to do more napkins and do that for them, which was just like crazy after I'd been talking about it for so long. And, you know, I was happy to just do whatever I could in that situation. And then it ended up paying off. I mean, just working with them in general was an amazing experience. But then for the holidays, they ended up reaching back out to us again and hiring us to do another project for them. So I just thought that was such a full circle of like hustling and working with a dream brand and then them seeing your work, valuing it and coming back to you is like just a great, was just the whole thing was great. That's amazing. How many people do you have on your team now? 
right now we have, I think there's nine of us total. I have a COO and him and I are full-time. And then I have one full-time embroiderer. And then the rest of our team is just a mix of like full-time, part-time in the store, doing embroidery, doing other things. And they're all really amazing. And I've gone you know, finding and hiring people is tough, but right now, especially I have such an amazing group and, you know, as we grow, I'm really excited to grow with them and kind of like mold and create roles for them and carry them all with us. Coming up, get ready to hear Abby's learning lessons from the mistakes she's made, as well as her biggest business secrets. What has surprised you the most since starting your business? Hmm, probably how much I can work and like still and be happy. <laughs> like when I was in my old jobs before I had my own business, I was just like, do I hate working or do I hate what I'm doing every day? And I really wasn't sure. Like I was like, you know what? I genuinely could just hate working and maybe I just want to like not work and I don't know, do something else. <laughs> that's an option. <laughs> I was like, maybe that's what's meant for me. I don't know. And then I realized it's like, no, I actually love working. I just didn't like what I was doing. And so I think like I always was like, I was, uh, you know, got decent grades and all that stuff. But I think like, I never realized how much of like a worker I am until I did this. It's addicting. Being an entrepreneurista is a true addiction. I have And I found. really think if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life is like the most true fact of all time. <laughs> it's so true. Now, do you still come up with other business ideas that you want to start? Or are you staying focused? I'm trying to stay focused. My, I'm like the queen of like ideas and brainstorming. Like if you came to me with like anything, I'm like, okay, this is, we can do this. We can do that. Like I have this idea, this idea, and like, I, I can just rattle them off. So that's one of my, you know, strengths and something I need to work on is not getting distracted, but I'm just trying to stay blinders on for the embroidery. <laughs> Good plan. Coming from someone who has done multiple things. Now, granted, I have a business partner, so we've been really able to like divide and conquer with everything. But staying focused is great. There'll always be opportunities to keep doing more and more. But especially in this like heavy growth stage for you right now. Yeah, staying, staying focused. So I would love to know, Abby, have you made any like really big mistakes since starting your business? Oh, of course. Let me think. <laughs> I mean, of course I made so many mistakes, but okay, this is one huge mistake. I think that is a good one for other people to learn from is when I first started, I had no idea about like payroll versus independent contractor versus 1099s and whatever and all that stuff. And I thought that payroll was just like a way to pay your staff. I didn't realize it was going to trigger everything with the New York state, like government and like tax boards and all of this stuff. So I was employing just some 1099 contractors and decided to put them on payroll because I just thought it would be easier to pay them. And it was like more like professional <laughs> to do it that way. And so I did that for like literally like two weeks and I had no idea like what it would cause. And then I started getting all these 
notices to close my business down because I wasn't paying my workers' compensation. And it was just a whole nightmare that took like months and months and months to resolve. And I honestly, and that was from July, 2021. And I don't even know if it's resolved to this day. Like, I think we're still like trying to settle with the state and like figure it out because they literally were sending me bills for like $20,000 because they were like, you didn't have workers comp for all this time and blah, blah, blah. So I think that, you know, now I have someone who works with me who's amazing and he's kind of leads these kind of like nitty gritty operation things. And I'm so not into that. And that's so not my strong suit. So I think it's like the learning from this was just like, if you're not good at it, that is a hundred percent. Okay. Like you don't need to be good at everything, but just make sure like in the beginning, at least you're spending a little extra time figuring it out, or you can lean on someone to kind of, you know, look into it for you to make sure you're doing it right. (laughs) Totally. Yes. Love those learning lessons, especially the beginning, you know, the best investments you can make are making sure you have the right outsource team around you, an accountant or a bookkeeper, business attorney, trademark attorney, like get all of that stuff set up from the beginning. Because if you don't, things like this can happen. And Courtney and I went through all of this stuff too. When we first started, we didn't have a trademark. The name of our first business, Socialfly was not Socialfly, it was actually called Collective Media. And we got a cease and desist letter very early on. When we first started, we're like, oh my God, are we going to jail? Like we didn't know what a cease and desist letter meant. And you learn all of these things in the beginning. And it's over okay to make these mistakes. It's just try not to repeat them, which is why we like to share all of our, uh, all of our business. I genuinely think this was a really good one. And I think someone will, will take this and they will not get in this trouble now. (laughs) Yes. And there's tools online to help you set up your business to do it properly. And obviously in our entrepreneurista community too. So if you are, when you're listening to this right now, if you have not yet started your business, join our community, we'll help you get everything started. So you don't have to make these mistakes Um, because they can be very, very costly, especially finance and legal. You want to do it right the first time. Abby, what would you say is your biggest business secret that you want to reveal to everyone today? Okay, I think I have two. I think I have a piece of advice and then I have a secret. I think my secret would be just always be networking, always be plugging yourself, always be talking about what you do, talking about what you want to do. Like I'll meet people now and they'll be like, oh, I feel like, you know, everyone. And I'm like, I of course don't feel like that, but I definitely am always like any chance I get introducing myself to people, telling people what I do, like brainstorming on the spot, like just being so friendly and outgoing and but like networking and in like a in like a chill way, not in like a, you know, here's my elevator pitch. Like, let's put a meeting on the calendar. Just like, this is who I am. This is what I do. And then also just like, I'm a fan of you. And this is how we can work together in a fun way. Like that sort of thing. Building real authentic relationships and how can we all help each other? So totally agree with all of that. Yeah. And then I think along with that, uh, my biggest piece of advice is the people that you meet that feel like they're going to be your best friend from the day you met them. They're like going to be your future business partner. They have all these huge promises and it's like this fast, fast, fast friendship or fast growing relationship that is like, oh my God, I can't believe I met this person. Where have they been all my life? Those, at least in my experience, every single time are the people that burn me the most, don't work out the most 
And I was, should have just wished I just took a step back. And that is in anywhere from hiring someone to work directly under me to hiring a contractor to do a service for me to a friend in the industry who I am like, oh my God, my new best friend. And those are all, I'm like, those facets are all examples of when this has happened to me. And every time I was like, damn, I really had high hopes and it didn't work out. And then I see the people who I met at the same time, who it's been six months, a year, and we've been slowly bonding and, you know, growing together and supporting each other. And those are the people that are, have my back and are sticking around and just anyone. It's just like they overpromise, under deliver is what I found. Yeah. Such good advice. So what do you do now when you have high hopes? Like how do you set those expectations for yourself or do you change, you know, those types of interactions now based on your learnings? I think that I just take everything with a grain of salt and and it's like, oh, this person seems amazing. And you know what? Hopefully they are what they say they are. But it's just sort of like, instead of just like putting all my eggs in one basket with what they're saying they'll do for me or what they'll, what they can accomplish for me or with me, I just kind of like need to just keep them a little bit at like at an arm's distance away and just kind of, you know, actions speak louder than words and not just reveal all my secrets or decide that we're going to be best friends and not hold them accountable in a professional setting, or I see how they act and decide if I want to promote them, things like that. And just slow down. Nothing needs to happen in a week, in a month, in two months. Like if their person, if this person's great, like they'll be great in like three to four to six months too. Such great advice. Yes. Taking time, slow down, really get to know people, feel it out. And nothing is urgent except that urgent uh, embroidery delivery that you had to do the next day. Just that. Yep, exactly. (laughs) Abby, last question for you. What does being an entrepreneurista mean to you? Being an entrepreneurista means just the sky is the limit. There's no one holding you back but yourself. You know, you can truly accomplish anything you set your mind to. And just be the creator of your own life. Like you can just take control of your own life. And we spend so much of our time working to create a life. And I just think like, you're the one who's going to set that tone. Like if you're enjoying what you're doing, if you're building your business for the right reasons, because you want to leave a legacy behind, or, you know, it's, it's just not about the superficiality of like Mm -hmm. being a business owner and like the glamour of it all. It's just like, it's all about just like connecting with people and and growing and just being an advocate for yourself and just knowing that anything you want to accomplish, you can. Totally. I so agree. Abby, thank you so much for spending the afternoon with me and sharing your story. It truly is incredible. All you've accomplished in in such a short time. And I know I feel like an entrepreneur a year. So, you know, four years feels like 10 years and forever um, because we all do so much in a day. But it really, you know, has been a few years and it's just incredible to see your growth and the pivots that you've taken and where you're taking the business to now. And you'll definitely have to come back next year or the year after on the show and share with everyone the evolution of the business as well. And we're so excited to have you in the community and share with everyone what's happening. And we should totally do. We got we have to do an entrepreneurista event at your store. We have to plan that. That would be so fun. So fun. I would love that. 
Abby, where can everyone find you and follow you? And for those that either want to go to your website or find you in your store in New York City, where should they head over to do that? Yeah. So our Instagram is shopabode and it's A-B-B-O-D-E. The extra B is for Abby. (laughs) And our website, shopabo.com. My Instagram is Abby E. Price. I'm also linked in the bio of Abode's Instagram. And we are located in Nolita, which is in basically like adjacent to like the Soho or Lower East Side neighborhoods of New York City on Elizabeth and Houston Street. And there's a lot of fun shops in the area. So definitely... It's a fun place if you're visiting the city or you live in the city to make a day out of it and just come to Nolita, get some lunch or dinner and check out the store and get some custom embroidery. <laughs> yes, I love it. So Abby, we will link out to all of your handles at your website in the show notes below. We'll also link out to Uber Direct in the show notes below too for anyone interested in their platform as well. And Abby, thank you again for being here and sharing your story. I'm Stephanie and this This is the best business meeting I've ever had. Hey, thanks for listening and leaving us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. And we'd love to stay in touch with each of you. You can listen to all of our latest episodes at entreprenista.com and connect with us on Instagram at entreprenistas. We'd also love to invite you to join the Entreprenista League, our private membership community for trailblazing women. You can head over to entreprenista.com forward slash the league. We'll see you there. Wishing you a productive week ahead. Mm-hmm.